Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast, pureandsimplebible.com. This is Jonathan Edwards, and we're in a final part in a four-part series on the reign of God with Jamie Thompson. I hope that you've been able to listen to the other episodes. Please pause and go back and listen if you haven't. Let's jump into the final part of this conversation, shall we? You're making me think of the parables of the kingdom in Matthew 13. There's a reason that there's seven different parables to describe the different ways that we can look at the concept of kingdom. Guess where we're going to go? Matthew 13. Did I do it again? Man, (laughs) we are just on fire. We're on the same page, Jonathan. I, to the listener, I I didn't do it on purpose. (laughs) Okay. Well, next, next time, I'm not even going to send you notes, and I'm going to see like how closely we align. There you go. There you go. That'll be that. Yeah, that's fun. Okay. Well, then, uh, I don't know how to maybe introduce it other than parable of the test. Yeah. There you go. Let's go. Okay. Uh, you want to read Matthew 13:24 through 30. 24 through 30. Yes. Okay. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, "The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field." And while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servant of the owner came and said, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us to go then? Or do you want us then to go and gather them up? And he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow until the harvest, or grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to be to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Okay, so we got an aspect of like like you said, we've got different perspectives on the kingdom, and in each parable, Jesus is going to give a different perspective. All right, so in the explanation. In the explanation, me. in the same chapter, Matthew chapter 13, I'm going to read verses 36 through 43. Now, listen carefully how Jesus describes the kingdom here. Okay. So, then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. I am so glad the disciples were willing <laughs> to, uh, you know, um, you know, sometimes I don't like asking questions because I'm like, I don't feel kind of... Maybe I should know this, but right. I'm so glad that the disciples didn't always have that problem because we get to know what it means. Exactly. Anyway, uh, 37. He answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. Okay, so the sower is Jesus. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom and the tares are the sons of the wicked one. Mm-hmm. Now, we can't let this slip by. The field is not the kingdom of God. Now, he started this parable saying, well, it is the kingdom of God. Let me back that up. Okay. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed in his field. Right. The king, the, the field is not the church, not Israel, but the world. Right. So in Matthew chapter 8, we already read, The kingdom was somewhere where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob sat down with those coming from the east and the west. And who was cast out of the kingdom? 
the sons of the kingdom were cast into outer darkness. So the unrighteous were cast out of the kingdom. They weren't there. Right. But here in the parable of the tares, the kingdom is the world. What is in the world? Um, the tares are the sons of the wicked one. Both the wheat and the tares are in the kingdom. They're in the field. Verse 39, the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so they will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, gather out of his kingdom um, uh, at the end of the age. Uh, they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus is saying that there is a perspective, there's an aspect of the kingdom that uh, envelops the whole world, that envelops the righteous and the unrighteous, and that there is going to be wickedness in that kingdom, and they are going to stay there with their wickedness and lewdness until the end of the age, where Jesus is going to come in, send his angels, and... Uh, and uh, gather up, as it say, um, gather out of his kingdom. All, all the, the wickedness and the wicked people are going to be gathered out of the kingdom and cast into the furnace of fire. They're going to be judgment. They're going to be cast into hell. So there's an aspect of the kingdom where it only contains the righteous in Matthew chapter 8, but there's an aspect of the kingdom where it is the whole world. So the point is, God reigns. Mm-hmm. Just mm -hmm. as God reigned in a special way, a kingdom within a kingdom in Israel, God reigns specially over the righteous. Mm -hmm. Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns specially over the righteous, but he reigns over the whole world as well. There is nothing that is beyond his borders. Everything is within his kingdom, the righteous and the unrighteous. And someone can be cast out of Jesus' kingdom into outer darkness in this age in the sense that they're no longer in that number four circle that the smallest one within his favor but they're still within his kingdom right in the end of the age there's an aspect that's your point about hell there's an aspect where hell is outside of his kingdom i suspect in another aspect he reigns over hell but yeah well it's it's it may be a semantics discussion but inside his kingdom but outside of his presence you know well of, I, I, of the I, banishment. Think, I think that's fine to be a semantics discussion because it seems like all the way through the bible it depends what you mean by kingdom sure yeah this discussion from matthew 13 has been really enlightening for me because uh that the parable of the terrors makes complete sense this isn't just good and bad eggs in the church no it's it's the world right Right. That, and this, you know, the question I asked way back at the very beginning, and uh, I, I don't know how close we are to the end, but the question is, so what of it? You know, what's the purpose of this and why study it? It's a lot clearer than it was at the beginning because now I know um, it reminds me of in the book of Revelation whenever the, the People are at the throne of God, and they're saying, how long, O oh Lord, how long? And he, mm -hmm. he tells them, just wait a little while longer. 
So here I am living in the world. Here you are living in the world where the it seems like the wicked prosper, and it seems like those who are good suffer unjustly at times, and we're, we're calling out, why? How long, O oh Lord? Why is this happening? And a study like this is reminding me, wait a little longer. Yes. And be patient, be faithful, and trust that God's reigning, even when it doesn't look like it, because there's wheat and weeds. You might just be seeing the weeds, but you don't know how much wheat is in there as well. So, Yes, that's exactly right. I think the... The, the answer to your question, why should we study this, is because the, I don't care who you are. Everyone has had a catastrophe in their life, whether it's sickness or tragedy or malevolence. This, this, if it hasn't happened to you, it's happened to a loved one. And how, how do you cope? Well, our God reigns. We, we sang that song, song in sulfur, right? How beautiful mm-hmm. are the feet of those who preach good news. Mm-hmm. Our God reigns. Mm-hmm. I love that song. Yeah. Yeah. Well, knowing maybe kind of the why behind we study this, I, I'm observing you've got uh, the Romans 11 connection, and then we kind of circle back to Israel being restored into uh, this this kingdom. Why don't you take a moment to, to summarize these points for us as we draw the lesson to a close? So... We've looked at how God begins time. God reigned before the beginning of time, but mm-hmm. as the Bible opens, history starts. God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's reigning at the beginning. We looked at how he's going to be reigning at the end and into eternity. And his, uh, his reign um, is over all the nations, even when uh, they rebel against him. He chooses a particular people for himself sets them up as a royal priesthood, a, a, I think I got that mixed up, a, a special people, a special people, a royal priesthood, a royal right. priesthood. You're right. And uh, then uh, he makes a special promise to David that uh, he will reign and his, the, his throne will last forever. But if his sons uh, uh sin that he will chastise them with the rod we saw that that happened as the exile the prophet said that i'll be uh, god will be faithful to his covenant with david uh come into the new testament people are looking for the restoration of israel jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand we're looking for this restoration of the davidic covenant this uh reign of god in this special sense, is going to come back, and it's going to come back in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus uh, establishes his kingdom. Um, he ascends into heaven to, he goes into that far country to receive his kingdom. Right. That we, we talked about in the parable. Mm-hmm. And um, he's reigning in heaven. He's uh, sat at the right hand of God um, in Acts chapter 2, which we'll finish up with uh, here in a minute. Well, probably more than a minute. <laughs> um, uh, his reign is announced. And we talked about how there's discontinuity between Israel and the church. But in a sense, there is also continuity. And that's what Paul's writing about in Romans chapter 11. You reference the olive tree, Romans eleven seventeen and 18. And if some of the branches were broken off... So let me back up. The illustration that Paul's giving is that there is one 
olive tree. Right, which is which like is, John 14, I am the vine, you are the branches. There's a sim- None of that's grapes, but yeah. the, the idea of there being one. Yes, and uh, one people of God. Sure. Now, some of those branches were broken off, mm-hmm. disbelieving Jews. Right. The Gentiles were grafted in. Now, this is when the Gentiles are grafted in, that's the church. But there is some sort of continuity between Israel and the church. When the church is established, that is the restoration of Israel. It's not a mistake that um, Paul says that uh, he it was necessary for him to preach to the Jews first. And after they had considered themselves unworthy to receive eternal life, that they turned to the Gentiles. It's because the church was the restoration of Israel and the opening of the gates to the kingdom for the Gentiles to come in. Does that make sense? Do I sound like I'm saying anything crazy here? No, not at all. Um, I think the thing that's as silly as this may sound, uh, you can get on YouTube and do a search for uh, olive branch grafting. And they'll have videos of just guys today and they 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 find the branches that are uh, old and not producing as much and they just snip them right off and then with their pocket knife they put a little gouge in it and stick in uh, grafted in branches so everything you're saying makes sense and then visually for people that that aren't familiar with that process it's just the idea of there is a, a good solid trunk good root system um, but you can make it even healthier by adding in new life via the, the branches. And so that would be the church being grafted into the kingdom, the Gentiles. I forgot to read the passage, so I guess I should do that. Oh, yeah, of course. So Romans eleven seventeen and 18. And if some of the branches were broken off, so disbelieving Jews, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them become a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not bro- boast against the branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. Yeah. So uh, Israel is not the special people of God anymore because God's kingdom has continuity. And what word would you use to describe that continuity? I have a word. I just want to know what your word is. <laughs> I, I can tell I'm not you sure what you're getting at. Faith. Is that fair? That the the what what is the same across the covenants is faith, and and what I mean by faith is to hear and obey, not just to acknowledge that God is real. But it seems like that's what everything is in common. Like a faithful Israelite and a faithful Christian, um, the the continuity between the two is that they're willing to, they love the law, they love the Lord, and they want to obey the Lord. What we do looks different versus what they did back then, but I don't know. That's just the word that comes to my mind because you've been using the word continuity a lot, and I, so I've just been thinking, well, what is this? Well, I think it's not just continuity in practice or attitude or faith because the Hebrew writer talks about the new covenant that was promised. Now, the, the fact that he talks about new is doesn't make any sense unless there's an old who did God promise a new covenant to? Israel. Who did the apostles go to preach to? Who did Paul preach to first? He preached to Israel. Mm-hmm. So I think the point in Romans chapter 11, I think you're absolutely right about faith. But I think the point is that 
the church is Israel restored. There is a sense where something new was created, but it was given to, who, who were the first Christians? They were 100% Jewish. The Gentiles were allowed in, right? and they were really excited that they were allowed to be come into the kingdom of God. And the reason there was a controversy about circumcision is because the church saw itself as restored Israel. Mm-hmm. And they had to work through the concept of this new covenant had new laws. But the, 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 the concept of a first covenant and a second cousin covenant doesn't make any sense if there isn't some continuity between the two. Sure. Like the covenant was made with Israel. Now, many, many Jews rejected that. Majority of Jews rejected that. And those are the branches that were broken right. off. Right, right, right. And the Gentiles were grafted in. Does that make sense? Oh, it does make sense. I don't think we're saying different thing. I'm just continuing the discussion. So, should we finish this up? Yeah, let's let's talk about kingdom in Acts, the restoration of Israel. So, we're now talking about the dead branches that have been nipped out of the tree coming back in. Well, we're tying up some loose ends here. Okay. And so we talked about the Davidic covenant. And um, so notice, so Acts chapter 2, we're very familiar with that. It's a great passage. That's kind of a silly thing to say. All passages are great passages. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, um, 25 through 33. Notice how Peter preaches. It says, for David says concerning him now it's no accident that he's referencing david right because the davidic covenant is extremely important right in the history of israel um, and for god's redemptive plan for david says concerning him i foresaw the lord always before my face for he is at my right hand that i may not be shaken therefore my heart rejoiced my tongue was glad moreover my flesh will also rest in hope for you will not leave my soul in hades nor will you allow your holy one to see corruption you have made known to me the ways of life. You will, uh, you will make me full of joy in your presence. Now, this is Peter uh, resuming uh, his words in right. verse 29. Right. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. So he can't be talking about himself because he did die. His flesh right. did see corruption. And we can find his body yeah. over here. Yeah. By this time, he stinketh. <laughs> Verse 30, therefore being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, this is exactly what we've been talking about, would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. Verse 31, he, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Mm-hmm. Now, Peter's point is, this is the restoration of, this is the, the tabernacle of David being raised up. This is God's fulfillment of all the promises he ever made to David. So, the, the, the thread of kingdom that begins with Israel went through David is now being fulfilled in Jesus Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the church he's using kingdom language Davidic covenant language 
uh, and we already referenced Acts 13, uh, 46. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy for everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. It wasn't just a polite thing to preach to the Jews first. It's because it was a restoration of Israel. Now, it looks different because the, the church did not exist before Jesus died and resurrected and ascended. The church was established at Pentecost. Yeah. But there is that one olive tree. The church is growing out of the root of that olive tree. Do you think if Gentile nations had submitted to the will of God, that they would be similar to what hap- has happened in the New Covenant, which is a Jewish group of believers that then expanded into including Gentile believers as well. Now, I know in the old law, it's a theocracy, so it's set up different than the New Covenant. But the closest that we have is the uh, Gibeonites, right? Gibeonites. The ones that fooled Israel Uh into saying that they were... uh, a faraway nation, but they were really near, and so they entered into a covenant. And I know this is not a one-to-one example, but Israel did come to their aid and uh, defended them against other nations. Well, I'll tell you what. There was a mixed multitude that went out of Egypt. That means that there was Egyptians that went with Israel. Yeah. And I think that the, the, um, the law in Exodus, way back in Exodus, gives provision for the stranger. The sojourner, yeah. Yes. And the stranger was afforded protection and rights in Israel, but he couldn't partake of the Passover. If he was circumcised, he and all his household, then they could partake of the Passover, and then there would be Jews. So Israel was always intended to be a nation where Gentiles could come in, and they could live in Israel, and partake of some of the blessings, be a distance from God in the court of the Gentiles, or they could convert to um, Judaism and become Jews. It says in Esther at the end of the book that um, the the fear of the Jews was upon many of the people, and, and many became Jews. So like people could convert. Now, I don't think they had to to be saved. Um, I right. think a good example of that is, um, well, uh, Naaman. I was, nearly right. forgot his name. Uh, he didn't become a Jew. He went back to Damascus, and God even let him take some soil with him of Israel, which seems kind of superstitious, but God had grace towards him and seems like he was able to be saved, even being a part of a Gentile nation. Sure. So I forgot what your original question was, <laughs> but I hope that I answered it somewhat. Well, it what was just uh, at this point in our, you know, we're we're... The, the theme of our podcast recording is one take. And so here we are going into almost the second hour of it. Um, and so maybe we're a little tired mentally. But the, the, the question was uh, framed around the idea of could Israel in the old be what has ultimately happened to the kingdom in the new, which is starting out Jewish but then becoming uh, a rainbow coalition, if you will, a rainbow oh. nation of, of believers and it seems like it, it had the opportunity to. Um, I think that's what a kingdom of priests means. I think they were supposed to be, as Aaron was a priest for the nation, 
Israel was supposed to be a priest, a priest for the world yeah, and draw people to God. And I don't think the purpose of Israel was for salvation. You could be saved if you were in Israel or out of Israel. That's why Abraham, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will sit down at the kingdom of heaven with those from east to west, mm-hmm. or rather the other way around, east from west, will sit down with them. The purpose of Israel was to be a light to the nations, and they failed. Right. Because they weren't faithful. Right. They didn't reflect God's glory. Right. Well, thank you for going down that rabbit hole with me for a moment. Uh, in the little image that I have in my mind, I've got the crown representing the authority of God, going in an arrow to a cross where Jesus now has authority. Now, the, God has been reigning the whole time, but there's something specific in this covenant of, of being under the sun. But then there's a time when that that part of God's reign ends and the son returns it back to the father. And you end your study with uh, this very image except in the in the scriptures from first corinthians 15 and matthew 28 so take us there and um help us finish this study by appreciating i guess what is the 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 purpose of these scriptures in the overall picture of the reign of god so jesus says in matthew 28 and verse 18 all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth jesus has all authority right now there is no place in heaven or on earth. So there's nothing like that. That includes heaven, earth, and everything in between. And there's, hell. Yes. Which is going back to the earlier question I had. Yeah. All authority in heaven. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Keep there, going. there is nothing that is outside of Jesus' authority. We'll see in First Corinthians 15, accepting him who gave him the authority. Right. That's where we started. God reigns forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. But Jesus has all power and authority, just as uh, throughout all time, God has had all power and authority. Well, yeah, as we wrap this up, um, you know, I want to give you the final word to uh, encourage our listeners from it. Um, I'm thankful that we've had the conversation. Uh, It really is refreshing to hear about this idea of a continuity across the covenants, Um, the image of those who are in under the will of God or under the authority of his reign, either without his consent or with his consent. These are some terms that I think will be very healthy for me to study further on. So thank you. Um, I'd like to give you that opportunity at this time to, to say a word to encourage us with as we wrap it up. I really appreciate you having me on. I always enjoy having a Bible discussion with you, whether it's on mic or off. I hope your audience enjoys it. And, um, you know, if you've got any questions or uh, disagreements, I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, I think I speak for both of us when I say that we're, we just want to understand God's word better. And, you know, we all make, uh, I don't know, we, we always have something to learn. Sure. And I really enjoy your discussion and feedback and, um, it's it's to echo your sentiments it's very encouraging to look at the big picture of the bible mm-hmm. to see that god has a plan and uh, no matter how chaotic uh or tumultuous this life may be we can take comfort in the fact that god reigns 
Jesus has all power and authority. And there's, whether we're going through good times or bad times right now, that we ha- God reigns. He looked down, remembered his covenant with the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, and he acted in history and redeemed his people. And if we're suffering now, we have the promise that there's going to come a time where Jesus is going to return. We're going to be with him for eternity, and God will wipe away every tear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God reigns. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. I've enjoyed it. Me too. Thank you. I'm extremely grateful for Jamie to spend time with me recording that podcast. And uh, he's a special man to me personally, and he's a great Bible student, great Bible teacher. So it's always a pleasure to have him on this show. You can go to the website and find all of the podcasts, all the videos, all the workbooks that you can download and use for free. And always remember that God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you. Well,